This podcast is brought to you by Gun Owners of America, the only no-compromise gun lobby in Washington. You're listening to Pennsylvania Reloaded with your host, Dr. Val Finnell. Welcome to Episode 8 of Pennsylvania Reloaded, your best information source on what's happening in the Pennsylvania General Assembly and across the Commonwealth. My name is Dr. Val Finnell, your Pennsylvania Director for Gun Owners of America. Thanks for listening. And please, don't forget to share this podcast with your pro-gun family and friends. We have a special guest interview today. I am pleased to announce that Gun Owners of America will be endorsing Tony Moreno for Mayor of the City of Pittsburgh. Tony will be up in just a minute, but first, a quick update. I am happy to report that we now have 61 co-sponsors for Representative Aaron Bernstein's constitutional carry bill. That breaks all the records thanks to your efforts. Keep up the good work. For the special election for Senate District 48, the Republican Party chose Lebanon County businessman Chris Gebhard. The Democratic nominee is retired veterinarian Calvin Clements. There are also two other candidates. Former State Representative Ed Krebs has filed to run as an independent, and Tim McMaster from York County will run as a libertarian. GOA is sending out surveys to all candidates running for the open Senate seat, so stay tuned for more information. On to today's show. I am excited to introduce GOA-endorsed Pittsburgh mayor candidate Tony Moreno. Tony, the real steel mayor, has a very interesting background in history. Tony is of Mexican and Native American descent on his father's side. His mother is Scottish and Irish. He's a former U.S. Army Airborne Military Police Paratrooper and served at the height of the invasion of Panama. Tony later became a City of Pittsburgh police officer, where he served in the Narcotics Unit. He was also a Certified Academy Instructor and Field Training Instructor. He's now retired from the Pittsburgh Police Department and got involved in politics. It's with great pleasure that I introduce to you Tony Moreno. Welcome, Tony, uh, to the show. Welcome to Pennsylvania Reloaded. Coming to us from the greatest city in America, the steel city, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, my birthplace. <laughs> I guess you probably could figure that out from the way I introduced it. Tony, welcome to the show. How are, how are you doing tonight? Hey, thanks, Val. I appreciate it. I'm doing very well. Any better, I'd be in heaven. Life <laughs> is good. <laughs> That's great. Hey, well, Tony, we, we, we know you're running for mayor. Uh, you, you've, you've just been endorsed by Gun Owners of America, and we want to congratulate you for that. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us who uh, Tony Marino is, a little information about your background, um, you know, your history, your career, whatever you'd like. Okay, well, I appreciate it first. Thank you for everybody that, that participated in this endorsement. I, I really feel it means, it means a, the world to me because – like I say all the time, you can't have the First Amendment without the second, and it's very important that we protect that with everything we have. Uh, that's why I served my country, to protect this Constitution in the United States of America, and that's one reason why I'm running for mayor. But just to start off who I am, my name is Tony Moreno. I am a retired city of Pittsburgh police officer. I did 24 years of service to my city. I, uh, I started out working a wagon uh, on the north side. I worked my way into the narcotics division where I stayed for nine years, and I left the city working and walking a beat downtown where I volunteered to uh, try to take care of things and clean things up there. So it was a very successful and lucrative uh, as far as 
all the things that I wanted to accomplish in my life as far as police work. It, it was a wonderful, wonderful uh, situation for me. Uh, and it, it just paid off in leaps and bounds in how I feel about our city. Mm-hmm. I also served my country as a United States Army combat paratrooper. Mm-hmm. I was a military police officer at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Uh, I went from there to Germany uh, after spending three years at Bragg. And, uh, I was there. And my, my son was born in Germany. And uh, when we decided to leave, I made my home in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I'm originally from Los Angeles. I'm, I'm a little surfer kid from L.A. <laughs> and you're a combat veteran, correct? Yes, I am. I was in the invasion of Panama. Uh, during the Gulf War, I was in Germany, so we protected the Czechoslovakian German border. And that, it was about that time when I decided to leave the military because the military was changing. I, I was watching things that I didn't like uh, happen to a lot of dedicated soldiers, and I just didn't want to end up in that position. So I decided to leave and, and make my career in law enforcement happen. Oh, great. Well, th- yeah, thanks for sharing that information. Um, you know, I, as you're probably aware, it, you know, I'm also a veteran, a retired Air Force colonel. And um, it's always great to talk to another veteran who is um, running for office and decided to continue public service after the military. You know, you serving as a police officer and then now um, your desire to run for mayor. So why, what made you do that? What made you decide to run for mayor? Well, working in the city, uh, I got to see exactly how it ran. I didn't like it. Uh, I never had any aspirations to do anything politically ever. I have a, a bad taste for politics. I've watched what happens. And, um, especially being a police officer, we police apolitically. Because if you do police work with any other leaning than taking care of the people that you're serving and enforcing laws that are that are established by our representatives that speak for the people, then you're not going to police equally. So in, in doing the jobs that I did, I was able to, to watch and see where everything was broken. You know, police officers, they throw their capes on and we think that we're going to save the world. You know, we, we really feel like we're going to go make all the difference there is to make. And after that wears off and you kind of start to mature, you realize, you know, there's more than just what you're doing. And I was really good at what I did. I was the, I led the city in arrest several years in a row during the consent decree when it was hardest. And uh, what that means is I arrested more people. I used more force than anybody else. But what the highlight is, is that I had less than a 1% complaint to arrest ratio. Hmm. What that shows is I did it right. And I was the example to the consent decree, which I didn't agree with, but, you know, we just do what we have to do to, to get through this, to, to make it work. But they used me as the example of how the consent decree really does work and how you can really go forward and do very proactive policing and do it right. So, so- I carried that into my narcotics uh, stage. I did that while I was in uniform. When I was in narcotics, I mm-hmm. led my rest there and time we had made more arrests than than a third of the whole county 
Mm-hmm. So the county had had formed a, a task force that mimicked ours, and it was very I was very successful. It was just good. I just liked doing it. You know, I, I was I was able to talk to people and go forward. So inside of all of these issues, as I started getting older and more mature in, in law enforcement and the system, I started realizing where the breaks down, breakdown were. And it wasn't law enforcement. It was in the court system. It was in the policies that keep people under government thumb because they use them as tools for their own well-being at the detriment of the citizens. And, and we're the ones that are paying the price. So after they, they keep electing the same people over and over again, doing the same things over and over again, I got mad and finally decided, and there's somebody that looks just like you that looked at me and said, why don't you run? And <laughs> I looked at my wife and we made a decision to step in it into the political ring. And here I am. Yeah. Yes. And, and here you are and you are up against what I, who, who I consider to be my arch enemy, uh, Bill Peduto, Bill Peduto is the reason I'm talking to you on this podcast right now. Bill Peduto is the reason that I'm the Pennsylvania Director for Gun Owners of America and back in this fight. Bill Peduto is the reason that uh, Gun Owners of America now has a statewide program that has doubled in size over the last two years. Um, His actions back in 2019 in response to the horrific Tree of Life shooting were to... um, advocate and pass and sign into law three illegal gun control ordinances in clear violation of the state firearms preemption law and also a violation of our constitutional rights. He was notified about this but and continued to drive on with it. He is backed by mayors for illegal guns from every town USA The Bloomberg organization has promised free legal help to any organization or any, excuse me, any mayor, any mayor's office in this country that wants to challenge their state's firearms preemption law. So here's Bill Peduto with with Bloombucks behind him who can, in in essence, fight, uh, you know, not spend any city resources and attack the constitutional rights of the citizens of the city of Pittsburgh. And, uh, And then gun owners like you and I have to and turn around and sue the city and spend thousands and thousands of dollars, if not over $100,000 in some cases, while he and Bloomberg can just continue to, to fight. So we're trying to change the firearms preemption law now and the state legislature so that uh, citizens can recoup the damages. Adding to this, to this guy, he's, of course, running again for mayor, we have Ed Ganey thrown into the mix. Representative Ed Ganey, who is an F minus, F as in Foxtrot, <laughs> military people, right? F as in Foxtrot, a Foxtrot minus um, re- state representative. Why? Well, a lot of reasons. He votes anti-gun, but he's also the prime sponsor of the semi-automatic ban or so-called assault weapons ban last session and this session. So we have two rabidly anti-gun candidates one the incumbent another the challenger and here you show up on the scene you answer our survey well so please tell us how what uh, what can gun owners of the city of pittsburgh 
who have been threatened by Bill Peduto, who will be continued to be threatened either by Peduto or Ed Ganey, how would a Tony Marino, the real steel mayor, how would that administration look different for, for a Pittsburgh gun owner? Well, I would immediately end every action going forward with this, uh, with this attempt to change a law that this mayor has no business, none. He, he's a mayor. He has zero business attacking the Constitution or free people that, that have the right to own any gun they want. It, it's very difficult for me to mix crime stats with gun ownership. It's not difficult. It's impossible because I did this job and I was the best at it. And I was not in a position as a police officer in the city of Pittsburgh to be one of those police officers that work in different areas. And God bless them. You know, if if this is where your career took you, then you're fortunate. But to be one of the guys that says, or girls, you know, I never had to pull my gun or I only had to pull my gun once. I've, I could not put a number on the amount of time I've looked down the barrel of an illegal gun. And to have these individuals use perfectly legal citizens owning perfectly legal weapons as a tool against the laws and the system put in place that allows people to use firearms in crimes that should not even be on the street and then not convict them for their mandatory sentences it is it's an aberration of, of what I see is a judicial system that's broken. Mm-hmm. So when I when I go to work as a police officer, I target people that are committing crimes against people. That's what we do. At least that's what we're supposed to do. That's what you pay us to do. That's what I rose my hand. I raised my right hand and swore to do. And I put together an excellent case. This person I've targeted. You know, we don't randomly just pick people off the street. We target people that are hurting our communities. And a lot of times that input comes from the community. They let us know who it is that's terrorizing them. So I find out that they have multiple felony violations. They, that include gun possession or even using a gun violently against somebody. They have criminal records. And why they're on the street, I have no idea. Extra long uh, bouts of probation, uh, whatever it is. I put together a good case I arrest them. I present my case to the district attorney's office and it goes before a judge. And these are most oftentimes mandatory minimum cases, whether it be in federal court, if the federal courts pick it up or if it's just the Allegheny County courthouse that is trying it. There are mandatory sentences for a reason. And that reason is because the citizens spoke out. Their representatives heard them speak out against violence and to take these people that are committing terrorist actions to their own neighbors off the street and incarcerate them because there is no rehabilitating them. We're not talking about people that are suffering from mental illness for the most part or addiction. We're talking about violent offenders who make their careers out of terrorizing their neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, no. So it, it sounds like what you're saying is it's a it's a criminal problem and not a gun problem. Would, would that be fair to say? That is a very accurate statement. One hundred percent. 
it's the people problem using stolen guns from gun-owning citizens. What this does is create a, it creates an atmosphere where now perfectly legal gun owners in underserved neighborhoods cannot protect themselves. Mm-hmm. And we're talking in the city of Pittsburgh, in general, people are not for this law, especially in some of my African-American neighborhoods. They reach out and tell us, hey, we know that you can't protect us all the time, but the only way we can protect ourselves is having a firearm in our house because it's violent out there. And if you take away people's ability to protect themselves and rely on the government, then you are not going to be protected because we cannot be trusted to be everywhere all the time and to act in a way that will keep somebody else safe. I know it. We're a reactionary entity. We do not have the ability to be standing there when somebody's breaking down your door with your family behind you and going to commit violence on you. Right. Somebody nicely does not stop it and pulling pepper spray or a taser does not work. And we see that over and over and over. So whether we Mm -hmm. like it or not, having a firearm is an equalizer. Being able to use it appropriately and safely is a way that you can protect your family and not rely on somebody who's being called from goodness knows where to come and try to help you. Right. When seconds count and help is minutes away, that isn't very helpful to you, is it? No. It's dangerous. Yes. It puts in danger. And the, and the overwhelming amount of citizens do not want to have that taken from them. I speak to them. It's just they don't have a voice. And you have somebody that is fiercely anti-firearm without any stats to back up. And stats is the science, Val. And that not that what they tell us? Yep. Follow science. Well, stats is a science. And when the stats aren't there, then you have no argument. It's now your personal opinion. So when, when the mayor's running around with an armed police officer driving him everywhere he goes, it's very hypocritical to me. Mm-hmm. Yes, I certainly agree with you there, Tony. Absolutely, 100%. That is some, I, you know, as a gun owner from uh, formerly from Allegheny County, I moved to York, as people know, because I lobby for GOA in Harrisburg now. But I am from Allegheny County. I remember a, a completely different time. I remember a time in Allegheny County when Democratic politicians didn't want to violate our, our, our constitutional rights. But that has all changed now. Uh, and, uh, you know, Pittsburgh always has a warm place in my heart. As you know, I was born in McGee Women's Hospital in 1968, like many other people in Pittsburgh were. It's probably the number one place where people were born. Uh, and then when I retired from the military, I went back there in 2016. And, Tony, let me tell you something. You know, you know the, call, the call to home is, especially for a military person who's been away for so long, 20-plus years, you know, and the call – the call from home is strong, and I went home, and I had been gone for so long, and to be honest with you, in many ways, I didn't recognize it anymore. Um, I couldn't believe that a mayor of the city of Pittsburgh, my hometown, would take these kinds of positions against the citizens under his purview. Uh, the citizens that, you know, he swore an oath to protect the constitutional rights thereof, right? The con- he swore an oath to protect the, con- uh, to, to, to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States, also the Commonwealth. 
And he, he turns around and he ignores it and he, he violates our rights. And I, I could not stand idly by and, and in disbelief, uh, I, knowing another time in the city of Pittsburgh, knowing another time in Allegheny County, and that time is no longer. So I was very encouraged to hear about you running for mayor. Um, and you, you are running as a Democrat, which is, which is refreshing. And, it, and I want to just ask you a question about that now. It's, it's a good segue to this. The, the Democratic Committee of Allegheny County turned around and endorsed Ed Ganey for, uh, for mayor, the, the Foxtrot minus, uh, F minus candidate. Uh, assault weapon banner, gun banner, Ed Ganey over Bill Peduto. However, in that process, in that um, committee process, you received, correct me if I'm wrong, you received 41% of the party of the vote for the party's endorsement. 41% as a grassroots candidate, not somebody that the establishment picked. Not somebody that Bill Peduto picked. Not somebody that Nancy Pelosi, through her contacts, through Pennsylvania Democratic committees, picked. You are a grassroots candidate, and you secured 41% of the vote for the party's endorsement. What do you want to say about that? What does that tell you? That the people are ready for a voice of reason. That they don't like how fractured the party is. I'll tell you what, Val, I was winning going into that on Thursday. Uh, they, they had the ability to track where the votes were coming from as people mailed them in because it was a mail-in uh, ballot. And they were tracking what was going on and I was winning, I was dominating this vote. And it's, it's a big, it is a big deal. And I appreciate you recognizing that, that I came in off the street, you know, they didn't invite me to come and run for mayor and I didn't ask them. So I've, I've come up a lot against a lot of hardship, but I'm just like every other citizen here that's tired of the political rhetoric and, and being abused by our elected officials. So as I just went to neighborhoods and started talking to these individuals that are in the Democrat party and telling them about how I looked at Pittsburgh and the things that I wanted to do. And I just didn't agree with policies going forward. I don't know either of these men personally, but I just don't like the way that they're, are, they're governing. They're governing without our consent. And I, that's how I approached it. So coming in, I, I knew I was dominating this, this nomination and the party really didn't like it. Uh, I was told that I can't be at the top of the ticket. And I, I don't understand a lot of the things that they do behind closed doors because I'm not privy to it. But suddenly the rules changed on Friday morning when they put out a robocall from the Allegheny County Democrat Party. And they said it's now going to be open to in-person voting. And if you couldn't get your ballot here, you could give it to somebody to drop off. So I was doing my monitoring and they weren't checking IDs and they said they didn't have to. And they didn't have a number of ballots that they had printed out or a record of how many people actually came in. They told me it was over 200. Uh, I know what my numbers look like in the neighborhoods where I was very strong. I know that Ed Ganey's people were not voting because he's not favored in his own neighborhood because he's never passed a piece of legislation. And I'll get back to that in a minute. But all of a sudden, 
I'm ahead by at least 150 votes coming into it, and I lose by 102 after over 200 people came and voted in person. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I'm a little, you know, down about that. But overall, when I look at it, this was not the three-way race we're looking at. This was me against Rep. Ganey. But there was Bill Peduto people who were also voting there. His areas were voting for Ganey. So if you want to split that up, that makes it 163 votes Peduto, 163 votes Ganey, 224 votes Moreno. Mm-hmm. And they know that. There's a reason Bill Peduto did not get into this race. And the reason he said it is because he's put his money in and he's got in it before. He knew what the numbers were. He knew he was not going to win. So he stayed out of it. And I almost pulled it off. And I'm just going to go forward with that. I mean, Ed Ganey was the he was the Democrat city chairperson. So for me to put up that numbers, it tells me the citizens of Pittsburgh are ready to go in a different direction rather than this political rhetoric. And, and, and Tony, you said something um, that, that caught my attention. Who said that you could not be at the top of the ticket? John Weinstein. Really? And it wasn't, you know, I'm a, I'm a police officer. I was a very, very good investigator. And words mean everything. And people don't always understand what they're saying, but I do because they don't, they don't know how to control their speech all the time, or they don't, they don't think that it's important. He didn't say they don't want me at the top. They didn't say, I shouldn't be at the top or I don't deserve it or they want someone else. He said, I can't be Hmm. at the top. Really? Yeah. And that, that's a big tell to me. That means there's things going on that are already set in stone politically. Either way, Bill Peduto, Ed Ganey, but Tony Moreno's not in that equation and I start to see it happen right before my eyes. I'm watching this movement go on because they never thought I would be here, Val. Mm-hmm. They never, they underestimated the people of Pittsburgh. They underestimated a United States paratrooper and a sworn police officer. They underestimated the power of what we can get done if you just go out and talk to residents. Right. And, you know, th- this, this just smacks to me of the party elite. And, and this is a symptom in both parties, right? And it's the party elite that control the money. It's the party elite who control the agenda. And they want to select certain candidates that they think, um, you know, will, will fit in well. It could be managed, could be con- controlled. I mean, uh, this could be rhinos on the Republican side, or it could be the Democratic Socialists, whoever it might be. It's the party elites that are trying to control. But you, on the other hand, are a grassroots candidate. You're a person who has, has risen from the ranks of the people. And, and you're, you, um, I see you out on the streets of Pittsburgh. I see you talking to people about the potholes, about their, hill, that um, about their uh, homes that are sliding into a ravine somewhere. And the neglect, the absolute inexcusable neglect for, of municipal government from Bill Peduto and a refusal to, to fix things, to do what he's supposed to do as a mayor, and instead, he focuses on gun control. He focuses on every harebrained liberal scheme that you can think of. He, for God's sakes, puts bike lanes in the city of Pittsburgh where you can't, you barely can fit two cars down the street. 
Who does that? Does it make any sense, Tony? Well, if you look past the, the face value of it all and start to dig into what it's at, and when I say this is all an investigation to me, that's the only way that I can frame this is target the problem, find out what what drives it, where the money comes from, what the desired outcome is, who's involved, and then how to fix it. When you realize there's not enough bicyclists and there's not enough good days in the year to justify putting a bike lane on Penn Avenue downtown yep. that completely destroys commerce there. You know, I went to those businesses and I asked them, hey, when you, uh, when, when you met with the city about these bike lanes, what did they tell you? And they said, nobody asked us. They, we just woke up one day and they started putting them in. And then they started closing down the lane for parking. So they complained to the city because their delivery drivers couldn't come in. And the city's response was they could park three blocks up the street and wheel their deliveries down. Well, I was talking to the Teamsters and the Teamsters of old said, if this was the seventies and we were told our drivers have to walk three blocks down and be late for their deliveries, uh, we would have plowed that road up and repaved it overnight and said, yeah, that's what we're going to do. So just, just to make everybody aware that bike lanes are not for bicycles. Bike lanes are to eliminate the motor vehicle from our roads. Mm -hmm. If you look this up, and I want everybody to pay close attention, it's called Rise of the Creative Class. And it's by a guy named Dr. Richard Wolf. And he is a, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Richard Florida. He's a professor that came out of Berkeley, California, was brought into Carnegie Mellon, and now is in Toronto. But he's gone all over these cities, these smaller cities, and implemented this process. And I realized Bill Peduto went to Carnegie Mellon for a couple of years, and he just wasn't smart enough to graduate from there. But this is where he learned the, the creative class. And he has now become the political arm of the creative class. And the creative class is technology, arts, education, medicine, and um environment mm -hmm. so when you start reading about this you see all these things that have been implemented here in the city of pittsburgh and and dr florida says that the city of pittsburgh is the face is the shining star of the creative class to the world and the world's watching how well they're doing in pittsburgh and that's what stunned me mm -hmm. that there's something going on here in our city we know nothing about but the entire world is watching it so part of the bike lanes are to take the vehicle out and by closing down these lanes of traffic and they want a an avenue of bike lane that is 15 minutes from any neighborhood to a food source and if there's not enough room for the bike lane because of vehicle traffic then they're just going to close the vehicle traffic and make it a pedestrian bicycle only so you start to see that being implemented mm -hmm. in all of his process so it's people need to be aware of that Th yes, thank you. That that's very informative. I was I did not know about those things. I'm actually going to look that up and read about it after this this interview. That was really really good to know. And and let's just move right into the next question that I have, which is related. So there are problems in Pittsburgh. If bike lanes are one of them, and you know we we just kind of addressed that. Um, you know every city has its problems. 
Um, and I know it may be hard for you to say what's the number one problem in the city of Pittsburgh, but as you see it, Tony Marino, the real steel mayor, if you're sitting in the, the mayor's seat the day one after you're inaugurated, I mean, what do you see as the number one problem and how would you, how would you go about changing it? And, and, and in that, answering that question, how would you differ from a Bill Peduto or an Ed Ganey in addressing that issue? Well, it's not how I see it. It's what I've found through investigation. Okay. And as much as I tried, I tried every possible way to avoid this subject as being the root of most of our problems, especially our main problems, and it's race. And I'll begin with the current government in the city of Pittsburgh uses race as a tool. And that's why you see such discord here and it's not because of the reasons people might think once you get involved in the root problem of what's going on you realize that it's a financial problem it's all about money and it's about work and it's about financial freedom and ownership and mobility and what this government's done i don't know if people really realize this but Bedford Dwellings up in the Hill District is the very first housing project in the country. It was, it was designed in 1938 and was completed in 1940. And right now, we are still housing 100% African Americans in those housing projects that have total government control over their lives. And I'm going to begin with the number one problem that drives that, and it's driver's licenses. It may seem funny. It may sound kind of obscure, but we don't teach drivers training in the city of Pittsburgh anymore. So unless you have money and a vehicle, you don't get to learn how to drive appropriately. All you do is have your uncle or aunt or, or somebody put you in a car and they tell you, use your turn signal, wear your seatbelt, and make sure that you sit up straight. That's it. You, you take that practice test until you finally get it and they show you how to parallel park if you want to get your driver's license, most of the time, unless you're professionally trained, you don't get it. So the first time you get pulled over because you didn't use your signal or you turned from the wrong lane or whatever minor infraction you might do, the officer approaches you, asks you for your license, tells you why you got stopped. You say, I don't have a license. So you get a ticket, one for driving without a license, which automatically suspends your license. And then you get the ticket for the turn signal. Well, the way the law works is doesn't start its suspension until you actually get the license. So once you get your license, then your 30-day suspension will start, which means you'll never get a driver's license, which starts your road into abject poverty if you're from one of our African-American neighborhoods. Because now, if you don't go to college, then you need to learn a trade. And most trades, the, the building trades, require a driver's license to get in. So... You now don't have a job opportunity. You didn't go to college. Our public schools are horrible, so they don't lead you there. And now you're stuck. And you're stuck up in an area where the only commerce there is mostly the drug trade. Now, as bad as it is from the outside looking in, that's the only way for somebody to make money there. They're no different than we are in those communities. They are just like us. They're really just neighbors. It's nothing other than a, a financial issue. 
You want to make money to help your families out. And really, it's the breakdown of the family there. If you are on public assistance and you lived in one of the uh, housing projects, the father of your children is not allowed to live with you. So it's not it's what slavers did. They ripped the father away from the family. And now you have an absolute breakdown. So you have you have these kids running around looking for the other half of their life. You have mothers struggling because they don't have child care. Uh, you have fathers trying to make a dollar so they can, you know, help pay for their children. And then they get involved in the criminal justice system. And now it starts and it's, and it's all directed in a racial manner. Hmm. They're, they're able to throw money at people. They're able to move money around. They're able to pluck politicians out, give them power and influence and the dollar and they stay in control and people are tired of it. You know, now all I get is when I go into those communities and I, and I talk to them, they understand that I get it because I'm, I'm there. I spent the most 24 years of my career in these neighborhoods wondering why it's not getting better. And I investigated past the crime and looked towards the sociology of it mm -hmm. and realized government is keeping them here for a reason. And they control it. They control where they lay their head, how much food they eat, how they get around with a bus pass how much cash they're going to get and who they're allowed to live with for they, they even now have cable coming in so they can control their content of what they're seeing. The government's handing out phones to them. So they have no say in their life. And if they try to come out and make their lives better, they lose childcare. I'm sorry. They lose healthcare for their children. And we all want to make sure our children are taken care of. So it creates this have and have nots. Now they're looking across the street at all these new buildings as, magnificent development with $1,500 a month single bedroom homes. And they're wondering how come we can't have that be a bit, you just built it in our housing project that you tore down, displaced 100% of the people, but only provided 10% mm -hmm. affordable housing to them. So it's this massive creation of, of, of uh, anger towards everybody. How do you see where it's at? You know, these folks just tell me, we're tired of asking and begging for the things that we deserve. Just, just give us what we need and we'll take care of it. It's they're putting, they're putting political answers on people problems when they need to put people answers on people problems. And they're putting this political answer on, on black problems when acting like they can't take care of themselves when the black community is more than capable if you just allow it. You hit the nail on the head with one word when you when you said control, and and the way I see it is, and this goes right back to gun control. It's it's a, it's a very similar thing. It's it's not about anything else, but controlling people, and and we we see so much of this type of manipulation in, in gun control. You know, our, the Second Amendment is is so much about you know you being able to protect yourself, being able to protect your family being able to to um, uh, to be a free person. And, and so if they remove the ability, if they remove that ability, that constitutional right that you have to defend yourself, to bear arms, you turn into a serf. You turn into a slave, essentially. You know, there's all different kinds of servitude. And, and this leads us down the path of dependency on someone else to protect us or in the case of the of, of the uh, the issues that you mentioned, to care for us economically, 
It's the same kind of thing. And who does it benefit? It benefits the political class. It benefits the political class, in this case, the city Democrats, um, who, who are looking for a block of votes. And, and so by, by controlling people and, and giving them things and, and having them buy into this lie, and like you said, Tony, we're all the same, right? We all want to be have friends. We all want to have a, a family. We all want to be secure. But if you buy into this lie, like so many gun owners and some have bought into this lie over the years, well, if we just, you know, get, do get background checks, oh, if we just give this up over here, oh, if we just give that up over there, no. If you do give that up over here or this over there, it leads to a slow but sure degradation of your constitutional rights, and it turns you into an individual who is beholden to the state for everything. You are you must look to the state for your protection. You have to, and then in the case of poverty, you have to look to the state for your check, your welfare check, or for your for your food stamps or whatever it is. And I'm the first person that'll tell you. You know, I have worked in some of these communities. I've worked in the Hill District in a ministry. Okay. I mean, I, I'm the first person that can tell you that, you know, people don't want that. They, they don't want to be beholden to someone else. Human beings are made in the image of God. And that means they are to reflect the glory of God. And that, and a large part of that means that you have your rights of your who you are as a human being to protect yourself, to protect your family, to have a career, to 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 grow and flourish, right? Uh, just like Pittsburgh flourished in the '40s and the '50s with the boom and the steel mills and everything else, post World War II. Okay, sure there were problems. I get it. Never, nevertheless, you know when when we when we depend upon the government for things, all of us or we, we compromise on our constitutional rights. It reverses the government's true role. The government's true role is to protect the constitutional rights of people. The government's role is to ensure that the playing field is fair. But when the government switches and becomes your owner and your master and controls your economic future, con controls your ability to buy a gun, controls your ability to have a job, uh, to keep your business open, as we've seen in twenty in uh, in twenty twenty, to even keep your business open so you can feed your family, it's all about control. Yeah, yes, it, it's it is one of the most absolutes. I'll, I'll tell you what, Val, I'm, I I grew up. My my grandfather is a you know he's Mexican and he owned a trucking company down at the farther farther southern California city in in Holtville. It's right near the Mexican border there. He, he hired immigrants and, and led them to citizenship by providing a place to live on his property while he while they worked for him. And he got them green cards so they can bring their families over. But one thing I always remember, grandfather always had a rifle in, in the back of his truck. He had a shotgun and he carried a pistol. And it's because we were allowed. And he was a hunter-gatherer, my grandfather was. He worked these fields and a lot of the food that we would eat is was all game. I mean, that's how he was raised, and that's how I was raised. That that's what we did. It was never a question of of the legality of owning a gun for me. It was just natural. It was 
it was natural to go into my grandfather's house and and grab a gun because there was a rabbit we were going to shoot and we would eat it you know and there was you know when it was dove season we would my grandmother would show us how to clean doves and we would eat them and that's just how we lived but he carried a pistol because he was protecting himself and he knew there was nobody out there that was going to come protect him they, they were he was out in the fields there was nobody there that was going to protect them or his workers so it seeing how this has broken down i mean my democrat party was not what we're looking at right now right my democrat party are 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 veterans proud veterans who protected their country they are gun owners who protect their families and their rights i mean the constitution was was put together and it's everlasting and it's the greatest uh, set of rules that the the world's ever seen except for the bible you know that's mm -hmm. that's where it comes from and to have somebody come in because they don't like it they just don't like it you know it's that's just wrong and i i won't have that it's another reason why i'm here i, I just i won't have Right. Yeah, exactly. And and if I had to ask you one other question about just getting back to Bill Peduto for a second, I mean, and, and you're really running a grassroots campaign. I can see it. I go to your website. I've been following you for a while. And um, and you say you're an investigator that goes right to your career as a police officer. And um, and I said, what are the people telling you? What are they saying? What are the residents of the city of Pittsburgh saying about Bill Peduto's failures. What what's glaring? What have they told you? That they're ready for him to leave. That Bill Peduto coming in. Now I have my own personal opinion because I had to work for him and I saw what was happening under his leadership. But the rest of the citizens didn't really see it. What they saw was this incredible development in Lawrenceville and and how Bakery Square was coming up. But all of a sudden. Something happened to the mayor that everybody dislikes. I don't know what what changed in him, but he just started ignoring the citizens. He doesn't give us the services that we deserve. He, everybody sees that our roads aren't taken care of, that our streets are filthy, that our parks are falling apart, all our pools are closed, that the city, you can't go downtown because it's not safe. They are all ready just to go back to being normal. You know, people would save their money to have an anniversary dinner downtown and go see the Jersey Boys. You know, they wanted to take their husband or their wife or their significant other or their partner down and enjoy downtown Pittsburgh because that was the place to go. And now it is so unsafe to go down there. They're not going. So people just want to be treated with dignity and respect. And that's what they're telling me. They're, they don't, they're tired of the, the politics of the day. They're tired of hearing everybody talk about what should be done or laying blame on UPMC because it's their fault for what? If you're not made to uh, pay what you're supposed to, why would you? It's like the pirates. You know, the, the pirates run a very good organization as far as making money and, and existing. They don't put together a, a world-class World Series team, but business-wise, they're very sound. We just don't like that. We want to see it win, but really, we really just want the Pirates to stay here, and that's what's happening. And Bill Peduto has just turned his back on the citizens, and, and it's really obvious. I try to stay away from this, too, making a have and have not. But when you go out to different areas and you see how 
their areas treated compared to the West End or the North Side or the South Hills, you realize in a big way that we're not being treated equally. Mm-hmm. That's what it comes down to. It's just equal treatment across the board. That's all people want. You know, they did this race uh, uh, investigation. Not a, the, They had the Committee for Racial Equality. And it was done out of Pitt University. And what it showed was black women in Pittsburgh get treated worse than anywhere else in the entire country. And the main reason for that was child care. So you look at what the mayor does. He commissions this uh, investigation and this and this Paul, you know, they wanted to see what it looked like. And he sees it and he comes out and takes money from the police budget and now moves it to two of the uh, council people up there, $5.5 million to Daniel Abella and $5.5 million to Ricky Burgess. Instead of using any amount of money to create childcare for black women who have multiple advanced degrees, a lot of these women have multiple postgraduate degrees. They can't get a job because they can't afford to send their children to childcare. That's the disdain this mayor has, and they all recognize that instead of fighting for that, he is using his law department, 30-plus lawyers, to freely just contest the Constitution and an illegal gun law that they know is illegal. The frustration is there, and they are now starting to see it, and nobody wants that. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to go forward with it. So they're all telling me they're tired of the mayor gentrifying their neighborhoods, they're tired of the mayor ignoring their needs for their children and their parks. And they're tired of the mayor treating people like dirt. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't care about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, 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 this, and this is the kind of thing. You know, G, GOA is a grassroots gun rights organization. You know, we, we don't approach things from an access base where you have a lobbyist and we schmooze politicians and, and the lobbyist becomes part of the political class and ends up representing the state legislature to the members. No, we, we continue to represent the membership to the state legislature or the county commissioners, wherever, whatever level of government it may be. And it's grassroots. And I, I see your campaign, Tony. I see your campaign as a grassroots campaign, is the uh, coming from the heart of the city of Pittsburgh, from the three rivers, you know, um, just just emerging from from that location and uh, returning. In a way, I see returning to the historic values that the city has all, always stood for, and um, you know, and it's it's so great to see that. And this this type of response, and I watch your videos, I've seen your website, and 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 getting that feedback from you about what the citizens have to, have been speaking to you about is is just so encouraging. But y- your plan to win, how do you win this? How does Tony Marino overcome the political establishment, the endorsements to Ed Ganey? The, the, the big bucks of the unions to uh, Bill Peduto, which boggles my mind, but it happened, all right? And uh, all of those things. How does Tony Marino win this? How does, the, how does the real steel mayor win this election? Well, this is how this – it's how it's played out. I saw this from the very beginning. You know, this is not an easy thing. It's a giant mountain to climb, but, you know, you put your head down – and you lean into it and you just go one step after the other. And this is how it's 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 bloomed, this whole race. You have Bill Peduto, who is the corporate money 
person. That's how he operates. That's how he got all the labor endorsements because he's made these contracts and they just have to keep pushing the money to him. So when I talk to the actual workers in these labor, the, the people like me, they all say they have, they have my support. It's their union leadership that have to, they, they don't want to bite the hand that, that feeds them. So they push that way. So you have the, the money, the, the conglomerate, Bill Peduto. Then you have the political machine in Ed Ganey. Ed Ganey is being used as a tool of the politics of it all. The people who have been raised and that's all they know their entire lives. They've never had to sweat a, a blood tear to do anything. Politics is their way of life and they're maneuvering Ed Ganey for that. So you have the two aspects of what you're seeing. And if I wasn't here, that would be your choice for mayor. Ed Ganey or Bill mm -hmm. very really far out there or super far out there and not caring about the actual individual. Then you have me. I am, I put together a career and retired. I was a plumber before I did this. I I've done many other jobs. I, I'm, I mean, well read study of just everything and now i'm coming into politics with a realistic view of what's really going on and it's with the people is how i'm gonna win mm -hmm. i don't first i don't have the money to throw around like bill peduto or ed Ganey. i but i have people and that's who wins elections you know the the steel workers are not going to uh win an election with their endorsement because that's just one thing there's a lot of actual steel workers that are going to vote and when i get to them and i tell them you know you don't have to move outside of the city when i'm your mayor you're going to be safe your your parks are going to be clean your streets are going to be passable you're going to be able to take your family downtown and ice skate and not worry about getting accosted you're going to be able to go to the fourth of july celebration and not worried about your kids being murdered you're going to be safe you're going to be provided for I don't want anything out of this. I'm not doing this to gain any favor. I'm not doing this to try to up my political clout. I'm doing this to try to bring Pittsburgh back to the black and gold, to keep Pittsburgh Amen. the reason why so many people came here. They came here to be Pittsburghers. They came here to enjoy the stigma of being black and gold, to being that, that three rivers city of champions that to be that history they came here they're moving to the strip district because the strip district is what brought them here and now they're trying to change it in the political likeness of our elected officials mm -hmm. nobody wants that they want to be who their grandfather raised their father to be and they want their children to be that and that's what i'm here and this is where i need people's help I don't need a million dollars to be the Pittsburgh mayor. And that's what I was told. You need a million dollars to challenge Bill Peduto. And I said, no, I don't. I need a good pair of tennis shoes. And I need some people around me that will go out and talk to the neighbors. But I do need donations. So that little bit of help from people that are interested in keeping Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, 
I would appreciate that. Well, as far as how I'm winning, it's just getting down to the people, Val. It's, it's just making it happen on the street. Beautiful. Well said. And going back to how how can how can people get a hold of your campaign if they want to help out? Where should they go if they want to make a campaign donation? If they want to volunteer for your campaign? I mean, you know, the, the primary is on May 18th, and, and really that is the race for the Pittsburgh mayor is May 18th. You know, it's a Democratic city, so the Democratic primary is where where the mayor is going to be selected. So how should people get a hold of you or your campaign? How can they get involved? How can they be a part of the Real Steel Mayor's campaign? Let us know. Well, you go look on my website, and it's realsteelmayor.com. And if you want to just check it out, there's a spot that you can volunteer there. You can You can see what I'm all about where I've been, what I'm doing, and there's also a donation button there. We take Venmo, we take PayPal, or you can just go ahead and mail it in old school like a lot of people like to do to my address. It's on there. It's P.O. Box 99493, uh, Pittsburgh, PA, 15203. Uh, You can get a hold of me on Facebook. If you tag Real Steel Mayor, I pop right up. If you Google me under my name, don't forget to spell it. It's M-O-R-E-N-O, like Rita or Omar. And uh, it's really appreciated. Uh, people need to know no matter what side of the aisle you're on, you got to vote Democrat for me. Because that's, you know, I've been, shoot, they asked me to step down and I told them no. I got a call from somebody asking me to switch parties. I said no. You know, I this is where I happen to be. And this is how I, I decided to run my political life although i don't wear politics i mean you know me val i just don't i don't do that it's not how i live Mm -hmm. but if i want to get something done this is how we're going to do it here and you know democrat values aren't different than anybody else's values it's just part of a political party that is needed without a healthy democrat party we're not going to have a healthy anything you see the republican party right now struggling the same way we need to come together as citizens and have our differences in a few policies and a, and a few ways that you see going forward budgetarily. But as far as living lives, man, we need to get all this straight. We need to be able to sit down and have real conversations with each other. So just go to my website, realsteelmayor.com. If you want to reach out to me, it's realsteelmayor at gmail.com. Hashtag realsteelmayor, and you can get a hold of me there. Thank you so much, Tony. And and just to remind everybody, you know, uh, Tony is the GOA, Gun Owners of America, endorsed candidate in this race. Uh, he answered our survey well. And, um, you know, um, I've been talking to Tony for the last two years, and I, I know where he stands on, on gun rights. Uh, if you live in the city of Pittsburgh and you're tired of having your constitutional rights assaulted, Tony Tony is the man for this election. Um, any final thoughts? Any fi- parting shots? Yeah, it makes me think of the first time I talked to you, Val, and it was at the uh, when we talked in front of uh, city council, and I remember what I said there, and it's very meaningful to me because uh, there's a gentleman that was a city councilman named Saluddin, and coming up in the police department, we always talked about Saluddin had a felony and he shouldn't even be there, and you know, I remember having to turn him away from when uh, President Clinton was here in Pittsburgh because he didn't pass a background check because he had a felony. But I learned why Saluddin had a felony when President Obama uh, gave him a pardon. 
And it's because Saladin was driving from Pittsburgh down south to help black residents who had just been freed from uh, segregation and they were allowed to vote. And they couldn't register as Democrats. So Saladin was driving from Pittsburgh down south to take black residents and register them as Republicans to vote. And he got stopped by Klan members that were police officers, and they almost beat him to death. And that didn't pre- and, and that didn't prevent Saladin from doing what he's doing because he believed in the right to vote, and he then armed the shotgun. And they had laws back then, down south, mm-hmm. prevented African Americans from owning guns. Yep. And he they didn't up here, so he brought a gun. They pulled him over, and they asked him why he had a gun, and he said to protect myself because I almost got beat to death, and I was never going to let that happen again. And they arrested him, and they put a felony on him, and he had to live under that for so long. And I spoke directly to that right to our city council, right to our mayor stating, you know, Saludin's only way to register African-Americans to vote and protect himself was to arm himself. Nobody should ever forget that. And Saludin's still here in this city and he's still serving on the school board and God bless him for sticking it out this long. And we all need to protect that right, Val. And I appreciate you having me on this show. Thank you so much. Your, your group's endorsement. Oh, you, you're welcome, Tony. Thank you so much. We wish you the best in your campaign. Tony Marino, the real steel mayor candidate, the only real choice for gun owners in the city of Pittsburgh. Vote for him on May 18th. Remember, you can find this podcast on gunowners.org slash Pennsylvania Reloaded. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to shows. Be sure to sign up for our email list at pennsylvania.gunowners.org and follow us on Facebook and MeWe. My Twitter handle is PA Gun Lobbyist. Make sure to share this podcast with your pro-gun family and friends. And as always, stand up for your rights and stand fast. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Pennsylvania Reloaded with Dr. Val Finell. As a state chapter of the only no-compromise gun lobby in Washington, GOA Pennsylvania exists to protect your God-given right to keep and bear arms. To get involved in the fight for our Second Amendment, visit pennsylvania.gunowners.org.